Scripture reading for today is taken from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, and then chapter 4, verse 1 to 10. Matthew, chapter 3. Let me read for you. You can either turn to your Bibles or you can follow uh, the reading on the screen. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And then chapter 4, verse 1 to 10. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live, by, live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, Throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Verse 7, Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. This morning we're very privileged to have our local preacher, Dr. Wang Chimei, to preach the sermon entitled, Are You For Real? Dr. Wang, please. Thank you. Good morning, pastors, brothers and sisters in Christ. Sunday school children. Shalom. Can I ask, how many of you were born in the year of the rabbit? Okay, right. I did the... Oh, right. Okay. So, can I just ask you a follow-up question? Which is the real rabbit? This one or that one? Yes? Or that one? You think I'm asking a trick question here? Okay. Now, why did you say this one? Does it move? Any heartbeat? Can it eat grass? Have babies, little rabbits? Yes? No? Okay, I'm not telling you the answer. Next one. How do we tell whether these currency notes are true or fake? Can you tell by just looking at them? 
handling them. Right? Fake currency notes are rampant. Right? So how do we tell? With this, right? That's what we use in the clinic. Alright? So, same thing. How do we tell about people? Especially, what about Jesus? Can we tell whether he is the Christ, the Son sent from God to save us from our sin? Before we turn to the Word of God, let us come before the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Word and for giving us your Holy Spirit to teach us your truth. Reveal Christ to us through your Word this day. Speak to us now through your servant and open our hearts to receive your words in joyful obedience. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let us turn to read the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. May I invite the congregation to read these verses with me. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. This is the account of Jesus coming to the Jordan River to be baptized by John the Baptist. And what John witnessed immediately after Jesus emerged from being dunked under the waters of the Jordan. What did he see? Heaven opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on Jesus. And he heard a voice from heaven saying, This is my Son, whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. At this moment, John witnessed the Trinity in, in technicolor, the Son as the one whom he had just baptized, the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove descending upon, from heaven and alighting on Jesus and the voice of the Father speaking over his Son, declaring his love and pleasure in him. If you had been there, what would you have expected Jesus to do next? Levitate? Amazing everybody? Watching with his power and miracles? destroying all the enemies of God's people and establishing his kingdom on earth. After all, the angelic forces were at his back and call. He only needed to utter one word of command and the kingdoms of the earth will become the kingdom of God. All the nations and people would have to submit to him as their Lord and King. So why didn't it happen? The words spoken from the Father in heaven were taken from Psalm 2, verses 7 to 9. The sisters, would you like to read them for me, please? I will proclaim God's decree. He said to me, You are my son. 
Today I have become your father. Ask me, and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You will break them with a rod of iron. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. Reading on to the next chapter, let us read verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Why should Jesus need to be tested in the wilderness when his father had just declared that he was the son in whom he takes great pleasure? Why then? Perhaps it was just because he has now been endowed with the fullness of the Holy Spirit, commissioned by the Father, that Jesus needed to be tested, to be tried and tempted, to see if he was genuinely going to do the Father's will. Remember, Jesus was fully man and fully God. As God, he was incapable of sinning. But as man, he would have been tempted to sin, just like you and I are. And 1 John chapter 2, verse 16 reminds us, For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The temptations would demonstrate whether he was the genuine article. The Christ sent by God for the salvation of the world. The last Adam. Or whether he will be like the first Adam who chose to rebel against God's way of life by disobeying God. So the big question mark over this entire episode is, would Jesus go the way of the cross, or would he seek out another way? The brothers, would you like to read for me verses 2 to 4, please? After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. If you are the Son of God. This first temptation questions the goodness of God's and Jesus' identity. Adam and Eve yielded to Satan along this line of questioning. The seed of doubt was sown by Satan regarding the goodness and trustworthiness of God as creator and provider. They chose to believe the lie that the Father failed to provide for all their needs and did not have their best interests at heart. This our first ancestors did in the Garden of Eden with a full stomach. Jesus had now fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. In the wilderness, he was understandably hungry 
and the tempter came with the same question that failed the first human beings. You can imagine the conversation. You can imagine Satan saying, Are you sure that God is pleased with you? If he really cares for you, then why are you hungry now? Show me that you can do something about it, Jesus. Do you have the power to change these stones into bread? To eat to your heart's content? Go ahead. Show me your power. Then I will believe that you are truly the Son of God. But the last Adam's answer was to resist this temptation, yielding instead to the word and will of God, and insisting that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Power given is not for the gratification of selfish desires or for the satisfaction of idle curiosity, but for the glory of the Father in faithful, trusting, obedient living in holiness. Verses 5 to 7. Together? Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. The devil can quote scripture just like we can. Remember that. The second temptation was carried out at the highest point of the Jerusalem temple and was a test of Jesus' commitment to living according to the prophet Isaiah's prophecy of the servant. The four songs will be found in Isaiah chapter 40 to 55. And Satan's question is, Prove to me and the world that you are the Messiah. Demonstrate great wonders and signs that will dazzle the people and amaze them into worshipping you. Show off your prowess and the world will fall in awe before you. Why? If you throw yourself down from this high point and survive the fall, everyone will believe you're someone great and will follow you. Isn't that what you want? Jesus answered, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. God is not the one on trial. He doesn't have to prove anything to me. His word is sufficient for me. I know I can trust him. The power of God is not demonstrated through magical acts or violent victories over enemy forces. I will not need to apply the fleece test of Gideon in order to believe God's promises.
The last three verses, can you read together? Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The third temptation was an appeal to Jesus' pride and commitment to his mission. And Satan's question, Worship me and all that you see is yours. You know I am the prince of this world. Everyone lies beneath my power. Bow down to me, Jesus. Easy street is yours, instantly. You can't win against me. If you oppose me, I will make your life absolutely miserable. And Jesus answered, Go away from me, Satan. In God's word, it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. There is only one God, and Yahweh is his name. I shall worship him only, totally, and forevermore. Satan, be gone from me. My heart will never belong to you. Jesus chose to obey God's word. He came from heaven to earth to do what the Father had sent him to accomplish, to save all peoples of the world, not through military firepower or political violence, not through rhetorical debate, nor through effective economic or social policies, but through death upon a cross. Upon his triumphant resurrection from the dead, Jesus would baptize us with the Holy Spirit and with fire. To gain the kingdom by bypassing the cross would be an empty victory, void of cleansed hearts and renewed minds. If our hearts remain stone-hard, the words of God cannot be engraved upon them without shattering them. And the Spirit of God cannot dwell in defiled bodies that had never repented of sin nor desired to be. Only Jesus' atoning sacrifice upon the cross as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world can remove our depravity. Because just like the Jews of the Old Testament, the human condition has never been one of ignorance of the will of God, but the inability and unwillingness of the heart to obey it. Let me rephrase it. What we lack is not information, but heart transformation. Without the Holy Spirit, which is a gift of grace, the Spirit of truth, righteousness, and judgment 
poured out upon all believers after Pentecost. We can never be delivered from our bondage to sin and live rightfully before God. We not only will fail to, without a changed heart, we will never even want to. And if we were to remain in that permanent state of rebellion, we can never be reconciled to God and to call Him our Abba, Father. Jesus overcame the three temptations that comes before every human being every day of our lives. The lust of the flesh, the questions we ask, does God love me? Does He care for me? Is He enough for me? Am I contented just to have God and nothing else? Lust of the eyes. I need these things to make me happy. Money, beauty, youthfulness. This one, meaningful relationships. God, give them to me. Otherwise, what use are you as my God? And the pride of life. I will do things my way, not God's way. I don't need his advice for anything. I'm a powerful influencer in this world. I have millions of Twitter and YouTube followers. What about us? When we are faced with temptations of this nature, what do we do? Are we apt to question God's love for us? When we encounter difficulties and sufferings in life, do we suspect his good intention when he leads us to the wilderness and not to a rose garden? When he withholds things from us, do we accuse him of being mean, a spoil spot, a control freak? Are we afraid that he will harm us or shortchange us? Do we ever think that we know what is best for us even more than God does? Jesus' resilience against temptation during this period foreshadowed his greatest sacrifice when he, three years later he would return to Jerusalem and there he would face false accusation and gross injustice. He would die a cruel and shameful death upon a cross. Listen to how Augustine expressed this paradox. Man's maker was made man, that he, ruler of the stars, might nurse at his mother's breast, that the bread might hunger, the fountain thirst, the light sleep, the way be tired on its journey. The truth might be accused of false witnesses. The teacher be beaten with whips. The foundation be suspended on wood. That strength might grow weak. That the healer might be wounded. That life might die. And all these for love of sinful humankind 
who more often than not seemed more interested in serving themselves than God or others. Remember, the Lord whose first temptation was to come down from the pinnacle of the temple to amaze the world, faced his last temptation upon a cross of wood when he was again called to come down from it. Matthew 27, verses 41 to 43. In the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. Surely it has been well said that the nails which held Jesus to the cross were his loyalty to God and his love for the human race. May we, who now approach his table, come with true repentance and yielded hearts to seek his forgiveness and to receive his grace, freely offered to us through faith in his Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. He overcame all sin and temptation that he might be for us bread for food and wine for life lived in his eternal presence. Amen.